What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. I have a lesson that I want to share with you real quick before we kick off this episode with Stephanie Jones. Um, hey, I was at CrossFit Rome, our gym, this morning, and there was a young man there, and he was considering running our race that we're putting on, the 307 Project 50K on September 11th. And he's kind of going back and forth in his mind, and it's interesting because uh, I later talked to his his um, mother, and she said, yeah, he's been considering this. And and this young man, he has he's very physically fit, and he has the capability to actually come out to this 50K and win the race, like without a doubt. He has the physical capability to do that. He doesn't quite have the, the confidence built up yet because he's only 16 years old. But I can see the, the capability that he has. So he's considering it. I, I'm talking to him, telling him, man, you've got a chance to win this thing. You need to sign up. You know, it pays $1,000 to the first place winner. That's a lot of money when you're 16 years old, a thousand bucks, at least to me, was a lot of money when I was 16 years old. And this young man has the potential. And so I'm listening to his thought process as he speaks back to me. And he basically says, well, you know, how about I, I'd like to go out to the park and where we're having the race and kind of get some miles in on the course and see what the terrain's like and what the courses look looks like and you know I'll I'll kind of make my decision then and and here's the thing here's the lesson I want to share with you guys let me tell you how I think let me tell you how most people that have been successful in quotations let me tell you how they think let me tell you how I accomplish something whether it's business or a race or any goal okay We'll use this race in particular. Now, this young man, is his thought process is backwards because what he's doing is he sees the objective or the goal, and instead of going ahead and committing to that objective or to that goal, right, instead of committing to it, he's trying to figure all the steps out first before he actually commits to the goal. And that's a problem. Let me tell you what I do. When I have a goal running, for instance, a race that I want to commit to, um, I commit to that mission, to that goal, to that objective. I say, this is what I want to do. I'm committed to this. And then after I make that commitment, I work backwards from there and I figure out the steps that I have to take in order to bring that goal to to reality or or to accomplish that goal. You understand what I'm saying? This is but but the way most the, the way most people want to want to operate is they want to operate in safety. They don't want to make the commitment to do anything difficult until they have all or they think they have all the steps figured out in order to be able to achieve their goal. And let me tell you right now, that ain't the way it works, man. If you wait, 
If you operate in this way to where you won't commit to a goal until you think you have it all figured out of how to achieve the goal, you will not accomplish anything. You will be stagnant in life and you will talk yourself out of doing anything that's hard or worthwhile. And that's just the truth of the matter. And if you're not interested in doing stuff that's hard, uh, again, whether that's in business, relationships, fitness, whatever, if you're not, that's all good, man. That I mean, if that's if that's you, I'm cool with that. But let me tell you right now, if you want to accomplish some goals in life, you cannot operate in this manner. So whatever it is you think that you want to do, whether it's our race, the 307 Project 50K, I know there's there's 50 to 100 of you guys that are listening to this right now that are thinking, man, I sh- that would be really cool if I could run an ultra marathon with Chad and, and the team at 307 Project. That would be a really cool event, but I just I don't know how I would do that. All right? If you're thinking that way, you need to flip your mindset. You need to freaking commit to the goal and you need to just figure out how to get it done after you've made the commitment. Now, what does that look like? We're only we're only about a what, maybe a, a month and a half out from the race, the race September eleventh. What does that look like? There's not a lot of time between now and race day. So if you're one of those people that our race is a is a goal that you would like to commit to, what that looks like is you committing to the goal to showing up and the figuring out process that is you showing up the morning of the race and figuring it out step by step of how to get this thing done and we're going to have people there me being one of them that can help you that we're going to help you figure that out right but this is the way all things work in life so i'm not going to beat a dead horse this is the this, the the race is just an example of this. This applies in other aspects of your life. If you have a product you want to create, if you have an idea, you need to commit to that and then figure it out along the way. Or if you choose not to and you choose to try to figure everything out before you make the commitment, you are just going to talk yourself out of doing anything worthwhile in life. All right, I just wanted to share that with you guys real quick. It was on my heart. Hey, here is our uh, our good friend and sister in Christ, Stephanie Jones. Uh, Stephanie is an author, an awesome human being, um, and she's helping us with some projects here at 307 Project, and we were just so honored to have her on the podcast. This conversation uh, really helped me. And uh, I'm actually reading her book and doing her giving challenge right now along with Brooke. And it is, it's awesome, man. It's, uh, it, it'll change the trajectory of your day if you, if you listen to what she's telling you to do in this episode. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Here she is. Stephanie, welcome to the 307 Podcast. Thanks for having me. Everybody that's listening, welcome to the 307 Podcast. Uh, we got Blake on here. We've got our, our good friend Stephanie Jones on here. <clears throat> and, dude, how did you beat me at that? Work? 
How'd you beat me this morning? So By two minutes. Smoked you. How? I, was, I looked over there and I was like two exercises ahead of you. I said, oh, son. <laughs> I don't know. You just, you. I mean, you've got to get stronger. There's no option. You had to have been pulling on me on the push-ups. Probably. How were you breaking your push-ups up? The first set I did 10 and 10, and then I just did five. Would Stop for a couple seconds, five more. Okay. Sets of five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the world happened, man. I mean. And then you was doing them short box jumps. No. You was only doing 30. 30 what? Inches. I did 24 inches for the workout. That was RX. I'm talking about with the pull-ups and then the three box jumps. Oh, what were you doing? 36. No. Yes, I was. Wow, that's a difference. <laughs> no, he had a 24 <laughs> No, I was not either. Riser. I swear. Well, I also work out in hiking boots. So I'm going to have to get me some better shoes before I can keep up with you on them 36-inch box jumps. Yeah. You need to do something. You know. I, uh, CrossFit's supposed to be functional fitness, which means you should wear whatever you're going to wear that day and go in and do the workout. I expect you to be physically harder and mentally stronger than me. You just you let me down today. But, you know, he literally he literally beat me by 2 minutes, which is a big margin yeah. on a CrossFit workout. And so, uh I'm really proud of you, Blake. I'm glad you're starting to get in shape <laughs> finally. Um and I, I, I really, I took my little spray bottle and my rag, and I went and cleaned everybody's gear, everybody's equipment, because that's what I think the loser should have to clean up. I like it. I cleaned my own. You didn't clean mine. Well, yeah. I mean, you were quick. You were done so much earlier than me. You had cleaned your gear before I was done with my workout. I was trying to find something to do till you finished. I thought, Oh, there oh maybe I watch a YouTube video or something. You found something to do. You came over there and talked a bunch of load of crap to me <laughs> while I was trying to finish my workout. Oh, man. Well, how, how are you this morning, Stephanie? I'm doing well today. Yes. Sun's shining. You know, it's always a good day, I think, when the sun's shining. Oh, yeah. Even though it's hot. Oh, it's going to be a hot one. It is going to be a hot one, no doubt about it. Um, adjust that mic. Pull it up. There you go. And you can pull that down, too, where it's right in line. There you go. There we go. And so, um, all right. Stephanie, I already told you welcome. Look, look, first of all, we know who you are because you've, I mean, we've known you now for, gosh, how long? I been probably close to a year we've been yeah probably a little under a year i think however i mean really get to know starting with resurrected um but i think met you in 30 days of excellence and you guys have done that for just over a year so yeah 50 some you know so is that where you is that where you first connected yes because okay. i had done jesse's we do hard stuff years ago love his books and was no doing kidding. his big ass calendar club and uh just started joining the 30 days of excellence and saw you and mark and started listening to the podcast and i was like love the podcast oh and yeah and uh the day you announced that you had this idea for resurrected and i was like oh 
I like that. I love the idea, uh, your thought behind it, and signed up on Patreon, and here we are today. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> I got. I got to ask you. Uh, let me adjust that mic for you one more time. So that thing's really directional. Okay. There you go. Like talking it. Imagine if you were talking into like a coffee. You hear that coffee can? Yeah. So they're really directional mics. My bad. Um. So. Um. So I I mentioned you last night on the call, and Jesse knew who you were. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. You know, I think when you have like my Instagram handle is giving underscore gal and um. It, Jesse's one of those types. I think I was one of the first 10 people to join. We do hashtag we do hard stuff years ago. And he just engages with people. You know, you, you give back, I get an idea, you shoot it on Instagram, he follows up. And um, so he's very relational. I feel like if you're relational with him and I'm just a person that's like, I don't know, you find commonality. Plus, he's very philanthropic and giving and um mm -hmm. yeah so so <clears throat> you are obviously you just said you're an author you're you're not you're known you're kind of your brand is known as the giving girl right giving gal giving gal okay the giving gal you've done some uh you you speak you're a speaker you've done a tedx yep talk i want to hear about that by the way <laughs> Because that looks like a pretty high pressure yes. scenario. Every time I watched those, I was like, all right, these people have put a lot of work into preparing for this talk right here. And it's a short time span that you have too, Yeah, right? I think my, they give you, I think it's like max 18 minutes. I think mine was 12 or 13, but the most difficult talk I've ever given and probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in my <laughs> life was walking out on that stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a high-pressure scenario. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever invite me to TEDx. I, I, I'll tell you, I don't think I'd make it through. You apply. You can apply. Can you really? Yeah. Wow. You can apply. I was, I've always wondered how that's worked. Um, and I got to just ask you, I mean, how did this journey... First of all, what is the mission, and how did it start? Sure. Uh, the mission for me is me, one person, looking... To make a difference in one other person's life each and every day and then challenging other people to do that so way back in december 2010 i read a book called 29 gifts by cammy walker and she struggled with ms depression and somebody recommended to her like what would happen to your life if you stopped focusing on everything that was wrong with you and your problems and you looked outward mm -hmm. and you know like how could you basically give a gift to someone else and so she started giving flowers and she went on this 29 day journey which i can't remember what the 29 days represented uh for me i'm a big goal setter the new year was coming up and i was like what's something that would stretch me i don't think 30 days of giving or a month of giving would have stretched me what if i set a goal to give a gift every day for a year um, and so that's what I did. And I can't remember why, but I started a little blog that was called the number one, making a difference. And every day I just looked for, uh, I don't like to call it random acts of kindness, but intentional acts of giving, because you do have to be intentional of looking for ways each and every day to take action, to help somebody Yes. and you have to pay attention. And so I started that dirt journey on January 1st, 2011. 
and kind of documented my gifts just to kind of see what I was doing. Uh, I put it out on social media. Uh, I tracked the impact. It was just incredible of like all these things that started to happen and the gift ideas, but also, I don't know, like I started to see like courage and fear come up in giving and we don't think about that. And um, I don't know, it was just a cool journey. And I went 522 consecutive days and my journey sadly ended on 523 and took a break. I just was kind of tired of, that was the other thing it taught me is I'm a hard charger, go, 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 give, serve. Um, but what I realized is you have to give to yourself and you have to take care of yourself. If not, then it's really hard for me to give and serve you guys, you know, or those people that are around you. And that's always been hard. That's something that's very hard for women. They're used to serving and meeting the needs of everybody else, but not focusing on yep. themselves. So I took a break, but I missed it. Like it had really become not only a habit for me, but a lifestyle. And so I started back up and I, I don't track my gifts anymore, but been giving a gift almost every day for a decade. Holy smokes, man. So I, I got to ask you th this, th this initial journey, what, what was your original goal? You, you said you wanted to do it for a year, a year. right? Yeah. One gift but every day. You for went a year. over that. Yes. So you just kept going with it. Yeah. So what did this look like in like, in the beginning and did it change throughout was you, you talk about giving to another person. What types of gifts are you talking about as you go through this day after day after day? I mean, this is going to take some ingenuity. <laughs> like you said, it's going to take some in, being intentional about looking for gaps that you can fill in people's lives. I mean, so tangibly, what does that look like? Yeah. So I had a really simple definition of a gift, give and expect nothing in return. Um, and that could be, you know, that New Year's Eve, I can remember we were at a New Year's Eve party and one of our friends like loved the Hershey Kisses and he worked with my husband. So one day I just like bagged up Hershey Kisses in a little bag, sent it to work with my husband with a note. Um, it was being intentional about if I thought about somebody, not just sending a text, but calling them on the phone to have a conversation. There was a local business that needed some coaching from me. And so at the end of it, I was like, you don't have to pay me. It's just my mm -hmm. gift for the day. I bailed a friend out of jail. I made a lot of cookies and cupcakes, you know, just yeah. giving them to neighbors and strangers. Uh, I started keeping things by my front door for like the UPS guy of, you know, not, not on a holiday when they get recognized, just on a random day, you know, here's a box of chocolates. And every day it was just looking for something. It was being in the grocery store and letting someone go in front of you, but some days taking that a step further and saying, can I pay for your groceries? Yeah. And it was just, I mean, people would debate you. You know, no, yeah. you can't pay for my groceries. You don't need to do that. And it was like, no, I just, I want to. And um, it was something I, I did a challenge one day where I went to a Michigan football game and I said, I'm going to hug five strangers, approach five strangers and ask them if I can give them a hug. And this one always chokes me up because we parked and 
there was a guy, one of my gifts was if I saw someone that I thought was a veteran, so they had a black hat on that, you know, talk, show what war they served in. Mm -hmm. I would just walk up to them, ask them if they served, if they said yes, you know, just extend my hand. Thank you for your service. Might have a conversation. And sometimes that was a gift for the day. Just thanking somebody who I thought was in the service. And so I approached this older gentleman and I got this little tug on my heart and I said, may I give you a hug? And anytime you do this with strangers, they like physically move back from you. Like, okay, because we don't do that. You know, yeah. you don't walk up to somebody. And then he said, yes. And as we were embracing, he whispered, I needed that today. And like, we were at the Michigan big house. It seats over a hundred thousand people. So outside the big house, there's over a hundred thousand people I'm going to assume and God led me to one man who needed a hug that day. Mm -hmm. And that was very impactful of just listening to the Holy Spirit, that nudge of, if you get that, have the courage to take action. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what the result's going to be. I told that story from the stage one day and a lady came up to me and she said, you know, what if that guy was going to commit suicide? I mean, maybe it wasn't that drastic, but just seeing somebody, you know, maybe he hadn't been seen in a long time and some stranger just said, can I just give you a hug? Maybe he hadn't had a hug in a long time. Now, I went on to hug a police officer that day and a ticket scalper. I mean, you know, but it was just like, uh, that was a gift. So every day was different and crazy. And some days were very simple and, you mm -hmm. know, no fanfare, but it just... Pay attention. Well, I'll tell you what, a, I mean, <laughs> what a powerful mission. And, you know, Blake challenges me to obviously not go to that level, but this is something that I struggle with in my own life. And, you know, to hear you saying it is achievable because the first thing that I think is, um, well, you know, how do I have time to think through preparing a gift for every day? Like, how do I have the extra money to, to do all like, but no, it, it's like, like you said, it's the simple things. Yes. Yes. It can be something that you've prepared yes. that you give to someone a tangible thing, but recognizing them calling and having a converse. These, these are gifts. Mm -hmm. All right. I know they are to me too. I, I receive gifts like that the same way. It makes me feel good. I was driving through Lumina yesterday, and I, I go to get my lunch. I pull through the drive-thru. I order $17 worth of food, a salad, coffee, and one of them coffee cakes you told me about. <laughs> I pull up to the window, and the, the, the cashier's like, oh, somebody already paid for yours. Wow. I was like, what the world, man? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, man. That changes your day. Oh, yeah. And this is something you're passionate about, too, Blake. Yeah, I've, I have always tried to do the same thing it just as far as, you know, is there one person that I can make their day better just each day? Whether it's it, – it, sometimes for me it is just a text. Hey, you know, I think you're doing great at this. Some days it's a call. Some days I don't do it. But, but I mean, this is always uh, – for years and years, I've always thought, and that you know, I it kind of fluctuates. Something just like you said, I right. kind of get on the ball with. That's what I challenged them to do. Uh, Chad and Chili, uh, what a month or so back, is yeah. just to 
focus on just pick one person each day and think, what can I do to make their day make their day better? And it makes a big difference. And and not only your life but their life, you know, it that should be the focus is giving of yourself to them. And like you said, this is something that's came up a lot in the past week or so. But if someone's trying to give you something, if you're on the receiving end, don't rob the giver of the blessing of giving it to them because you might think, oh, man, this is a lot of work for them and I'm just tying up their time. They could be doing something better. But that's if someone's offering you that, they really want to do it for you. Like It doesn't matter if it's money, if it's time. Allow them the blessing of giving it to you and allow it to be a blessing to you. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And something that was one of the biggest lessons I learned on my journey is how to be a good receiver because I realized what it felt when I tried to give a gift and somebody rejected it. And I think women are mm. really bad about receiving. Uh, last night I was at Do Good, <laughs> the little boutique downtown in Rome, and just started chatting with the lady and we were talking about receiving gifts. And um, I've got to the point now, cause this is my brand, I will have to tell people, look, this is my gift for the day. Please just accept it and say, thank you. And like, you shouldn't have to do that, yeah. but that's the society that we live in instead of just saying, thank you so much. Because I think there's this deeper level of, well, I don't want you to think I can't afford it. Or yeah. you know what I mean? And it's really not that. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, don't even, it doesn't even matter. If that was what my thought is, still just say thank you for the gift. Mm -hmm. And I also learned too, is women are so bad with compliments. So that's a great gift you can give strangers. You can be standing in line, paying attention, you know, hey, I like your shoes or the color of your shirt. This is great for like kids. I mean, kids love to get compliments, you know, I love your name, whatever. And, um, Somebody said, you know, for women, if you get a compliment, you don't have to say you got your shoes on clearance. You know, you got, you didn't pay much for that. It's just like, just say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not, not justify what they're telling you, which still really hard. I still have to think through that when somebody gives me a compliment, just like, just say thank you. Yeah. You almost down, downplay the compliment yeah. by saying, oh yeah, thank you. I got these on sale or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, makes a, sense. a which goes into gratitude, you know, like just be thankful for what people are trying to give you. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't talk a lot about your childhood and stuff, Stephanie, because I'm so intrigued with, with this mission that you're on. I, 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 I wanted to really spend the majority of the time on this, and I, I want to hear now um, just some of your testimony on how this – this mission of of being of giving to others how how you have seen it change you as a person and how you have seen it change other people um on on a large or, or small scale sure um so yeah i just if there's any stories that stick out to you on on either one of those ends i want to hear them because i think this is it's important to understand the the power that is behind this activity and being intentional about doing this. Yeah, two stories stick out to me. One was um, I was in Washington, D.C. on a business trip. It was my birthday. My husband sent me this 
big bouquet of flowers. I loved it. He doesn't do that often because I'm not one like, I don't want people to waste money on flowers that die, but. Uh, just receive the gifts. Definitely. I know, exactly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Exactly. Just say thank you, you know, like thank you for the flowers. But anyways, it's great. It was thoughtful. I spent all this time preparing them, getting them through the security. And I had to go to the bathroom and this guy at the like information booth, older gentleman, I think he was a volunteer. And I walked up, asked him where the restroom was. And he said, my, or those are beautiful flowers. My wife would love them. And I got that little like pull of like, just give him your flowers. But I had this internal debate with myself and I was like, I'm not giving him these flowers. These are my flowers. They were a gift given to me. I walked to the bathroom, you know, set them on the ledge. I literally like said a little prayer, like, Lord, don't let somebody steal my flowers while they're out there. I was holding so tight on this physical thing. I walk out, the guy I was traveling with, who happened to be one of my best friends since kindergarten, is still talking to this gentleman. And I walk over and he made another comment about the flowers. And I just extended my hand and said, here you go, take them. And he was like, no, no. Like I was just complimenting you on your flowers. I was like, no, you know, I'll take them. And then I explained my giving journey and, and he took them. And that was a really big lesson of how we hold tightly to material things in our life. Mm. You know, like I justified it as that was a gift for me. That was mine. There was no way I was going to give it away when I knew exactly when he said those words, that should have been my immediate response mm. was giving them away. And so I learned that over and over again, where if I had a scarf and somebody said they like my scarf, I would take it off and give them. If I had a dollar in my pocket and somebody needed money, you know, it's not like, I used to hold on to those things. Like, this is my hard-earned money. I, you know, it's yeah. mine. And so just to give freely, because uh, at the end of the day, it's not ours. And I just, that has been so freeing though. When you can change your mindset that it doesn't matter. It is just material stuff. And Chad, if, it's, if that scarf's going to bring you joy and you love it, okay, I've been wearing it for a year. Let it bring you joy. And um, so- It's a huge mental shift though. It's yeah. very, very hard, and especially for money. I'm very frugal. I'm stingy. And so that's one thing that I constantly have to work on. Um, but I also go back to is I've been working since I was 13 years old. I will always make more money. You know, like if I see someone in need, I will always make more money. That So I just have to constantly remind myself is it doesn't matter. Just give them what you have, um, you know, and. I always have enough at the end of the day. I always yeah. have enough. That's an interesting thought that, you know, really you think about the material things that, that you get, like we'll use the flower instance. Your husband used that material thing as a tool to produce this feeling and to show you appreciation. And you got what was meant from the tool he gave you. Yep. And if you could reuse that tool <laughs> to produce that feeling in another person, it, the material thing doesn't matter anymore because you've already got what it had to give you. And at that point, if you're holding on to it, it's just to admire them or whatever. And so now if you can give that to somebody else and it is repurposed and produces another, you know, it's like it keeps going. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at things like that, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, the other cool thing why I like that story is that um, so my friend was standing there and he witnessed this whole thing happen and it was a couple of days later and I get a text or a phone call from him that he was at Menards or Home Depot and talking to the ladies and he left and went them went and got them Starbucks 
coffee and came back and gave it to them. And they were so overwhelmed with his, his kindness. But he said, I would have never done that if I hadn't seen you give that gift. Mm-hmm. And the light bulb went off for me is like, that is my mission. I don't share about my giving and gifts to say, look at what Stephanie's doing. I share it to hopefully put positivity out there on social media because it's so negative, to give people ideas, to challenge people, motivate people, to stretch them in their own giving and lives. And like, I think I told you one day on the phone, I mean, that I literally believe in my whole heart is the world would change if everybody lived that lifestyle. If everybody mm-hmm. lived the lifestyle of one time a day, I'm going to look for a way to make a difference in one other person's life the world would change instantly because you're looking for, you know, the the positive and the kindness. On the backside of that, when I started this journey, I had a Christian lady email me on or message me on Facebook and was condemning me and quoting scripture and telling me how I shouldn't be doing this and how I shouldn't be, you know, like she took it as I was bragging of these gifts. Yeah. And I almost shut the whole thing down. This was very early on because that was not my intention, but she... You had a Pharisee yeah. emailing you. Oh, yeah, totally. And I was so distraught and I was like, then I started questioning myself, why am I doing this, whatever. But then I saw people who said, I never volunteered before. How do I know where to volunteer? And I was able to guide them through a process how to do that. And one night I was volunteering at a church event and I walked up to the pastor and I just said, you know, I don't know what to do with this. This lady has called me out. She's quoting scripture. This is my heart. And he said, this is a ministry for you. And I've never looked at it like a ministry, but I thought about, isn't that how we are with our goals and different areas of our lives is a lot of times we can let one person, God has us on a mission or calling something we're trying to accomplish. And we can let one person veer us off. And Mm -hmm. I think about everything that God has given me and I've been able to do on this mission if I would have shut it down because one lady (laughs) had an opinion, which then I also see as so many people leave Christianity because of other Christians, Yeah, you know, and that is very disheartening to me. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> I the, think the religious people are the ones that crucified Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I've never met anybody else that, I mean, like Chad said, I really do feel strongly about about this. And the things you say are the things that I think, and I'm I'm just not as intentional about it as you are. But like when you talked about if someone says, "Hey, I really like that," I have given so many things away just because people like. You know, the other day me and Darby were running, and he was like, yeah, I've been thinking about getting a mountain bike. I just don't want to buy one. And I'm like, dude, I got a mountain bike sitting out back of the house. Come get it. I mean, I'm not using it, but something that you're even using and to, and to give it away. And you just don't meet many people like that. And it's it challenges me to be more intentional about how I feel. And and not not that I push it to the side or anything, but it takes effort, right? And And – just like you said, you they're not random acts of kindness. Kindness, Maybe to the person who's getting them, they are. But to you, they need to be intentional. Yeah, and I think, like, I wasn't always like this. I always say I was raised a giving gal. I was raised with, you know, we didn't have a lot of money or a lot of things, but my parents were very 
uh, giving in our community, but anybody can do this. I mean, this yeah. is, and I, I have seen it. Anybody can do it at any age. Um, I, so if somebody's listening and like, I don't even know, like just start, just start and pay attention. You know, I prayed on some days I'd get in the morning and say, dear Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but put somebody in front of me. And almost every day there would be somebody. And I knew exactly who I was supposed to help mm -hmm or serve that day. And um, I, I I gave a talk one day and a year later, I came back to that same event and uh, an older lady, probably in her seventies came up to me and just said, I took your challenge and here's how my life's changed over this year. And I'm thinking, it's never too late. You know, it's never too late. You can be in your seventies and be listening to this and go, Oh, I've never been a giving person or I've never paid attention to the people around me. And you can start, I did a book club at a senior center. And this guy said, I've read your book three times. Cause I was never taught this. And he was a very, probably a millionaire. And he just said, I kept reading it and reading it, thinking about how I could start now so late in life, which is why I'm on a mission to, make sure that parents and teachers are teaching their children about giving because a lot of times it is learned. You have to see it or you have to learn it. And he opened my eyes to say, oh, wow, you can be very wealthy. You can be successful. You can be an entrepreneur and own your own business and have a great life and know nothing about giving in philanthropy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an example of how you've seen your mission changed mm -hmm. someone else's life. Yeah. yeah. That man, that is powerful. I'll tell you what, this is racking my brain, son, <laughs> well, because I am not good at this. <laughs> the phrase blessed to be a blessing. I don't know if it's in the Bible or if, if people have just said it, but I've heard it. And to me, that's what I can always think of is like, you're blessed to have these things. So that you can be a blessing to someone else. Not, I mean, you think of everything that you have, your time, any material thing, it, it should all be liquid. Like if it ever comes yeah. to a point to where it just stops and becomes solid or what, or stagnant, then you've done it wrong. Like it needs to be flowing. You've got it for a little bit, you give it to someone else. And that's, this is, if people would grasp this, like you said, the, everything would change. Yeah, it really would. It would, yeah, it could, it would change society and culture literally in an instant mm -hmm. if everybody could grasp this. I agree 100%. And thank God you're on this mission to, to do this and, and send this message. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you too, Stephanie. Like, at what point in this journey did you decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start talking about this. Like, I'm going to start speaking about this. I'm going to start seizing the opportunity that I have to share and even go on to now you've written two books. And I only know a little bit about it. <laughs> that effort it takes behind that because we had our first day yesterday. And I'm like, wow. You know, so at what point did it dawn on you that like, man, this is this is it. This is God's purpose for my life right now. Yeah. So I was actually speaking before this. I love to speak. I'd started speaking in college 
And uh, I had a professional organizing business, so I'd go speak to groups on organizing, getting your life organized. Come on, man, really? Yeah, for like 10 years, innovative organizing. Uh, I was director wow. of victim services for the state, so I would go to conferences where we were funding domestic violence conferences, sexual assault, and I'd be a keynote speaker there. Um, so, and I would hold, I would go to women's conferences and speak how to be like a smart woman. You know, when you're out running, how do you be smart? When you're traveling, how do you be smart so you don't become a victim? And so I had spoke, like that's something I love to do. And that's where I thought uh, kind of God was calling me was more in the speaking. And I hated writing. I was not a good writer, terrible at grammar. Uh, in college, I had to take remedial English. I mean, just not, not good at all. But I had started to document this little journey. And I said the writing was terrible. Like, if you look at the blog, I can't believe people were actually reading it. <laughs> but they loved the stories. They looked past the, the like, terrible writing and grammar. And, and they liked the stories. And um, I was doing some consulting for our community foundation and the executive director who uh, was very influential in the community sent me a note with a book one day and she said, uh, I think you could have written this book. And I thought, wow, you know, if Barb Young, this influential lady thinks I could write a book, maybe I could. And uh, it took me five years to write my first book because I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I stopped, started, I cried, I threw fits. It was terrible. I hated it. But I also started feeling this pressure because I did want to do more speaking. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do more speaking. And I felt like God saying, I can't give you any more until you finish this one thing. Hmm. And I just had, I battled. I mean, it was a battle for five years to get that first book out. And then once I did my speaking opportunities just expanded because now you have credibility. People yeah. won't even read the book. You just have a book. Now you have credibility. You're an, in, you're, you know, you're an expert in giving. And, uh, and that's what led to Ted talk. And then, then it was like, I became this author and writer and the floodgates open and I couldn't stop writing. Um, and it's wow. been such an incredible, like, I don't know. It's that's a transformation crazy. is what that is. Oh, 100%. But it's like, that's how God gets the glory at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If I, if I would have said, oh, yeah, I took creative writing. That was my major in college. And I'm sitting here talking to you write, about writing a book. Yeah. I don't want to say it's not a big deal because writing a book is a lot. But for me, the only way I can say I have been able to write books and become a better writer and an author is because... God, you know, God gave me that calling and he has lined up the right people, like everything. There's not anything that Stephanie has done to put out any books or anything that I'm doing. I'm still like, what the heck? Well, <laughs> God doesn't call the qualified. Right. He qualifies the called, yeah, right? 100%, 100%. Well, I want to ask you specifically about your books because I know that, you know, they, they, I mean, a five-year-long project to put something out, you know. What What do, obviously there are two I want to hear about each one and, and what they basically encapsulate. What can we learn from those pro projects that you took on and have poured yourself into? What can we expect from them? I mean, yeah. I want to hear about them. Yeah, so if you would read the first book, you're like, this took you five years. You know, it's like... You wouldn't, but 
it was this constant too of like fear of rejection. There's so much that you go through when you're writing a book that has nothing to do with the actual book. Um, but I think they're more like a chicken soup for the soul of short stories every day, something I experience personal um, that teaches people how to be intentional about giving wow. things that you can look for in each and every life. And then at the end of each day, there is a giving challenge. Uh, it's called the giving challenge. Um, and there's a challenge for you to think about and not necessarily that you have to do that gift that day that you read it, but it just gets your mind of thinking about, wow, if I come across this or this opportunity, I need to take action on it. And a lot of them are not, I'm big about the gifts not costing a lot of money or any money or taking a lot of time. It's really teaching people to say, there are a thousand ways to give. You just have to pay attention and be intentional. And so that's the first uh, little book is just 40 stories, 40 giving challenges. Um, and the stories I get back have just, you know, like, okay, this is why it's out there. You and know? so should that book be read day to like day by day, you know, it's, or, or all the way through? I mean, I, so I wrote it that way. You know, I mean, the books take on a life of their own to the, uh, the reader in okay. my head. I thought, oh yeah. Cause I had lived this day to day to day for years. And so that's how I wrote the book. I've had people that said I had to get through each story. Like I sat down and read the whole book in one reading because I wanted to see what you were going to new debt new debt do next. And then I went back and I would pick a day and I would focus on that giving. And so I really say is I had an intention that you would read a story, you would give a gift. And yeah. now I'm just like, you're the reader. It's you go on your own giving journey. I'm just giving you the tools and the ideas and you're not going to go on my journey. Um, but hopefully it sparks you to do something that you were not doing yesterday. You know, the wonderful thing about it, though, is this is great because if all right, any of you guys listen to this, if you're feeling a little conviction like I am, if you're feeling a little convicted about this, oh, we have the answer of where you can start. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, give people tools. You know, don't just talk about that's one thing you're big on chad is like don't be the person who's like just talking about things that people do i'm big on no go out and live it and i think that was the other thing that i don't want to say motivated me because my giving isn't motivated by my speaking or writing but i didn't think i could continue to go on a stage or write books on giving if i was not continuing continuing to do that that's right and I think that's very important for the listeners is whatever you're doing in life. If you're talking about something, you know, I ran college, ran in college. If I'm still talking about that and that's all the running I've ever done, I shouldn't be talking about that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I'm big on, I want to give you the tools, but I'm also still living this life and experiencing it. And I still have the same struggles I had 10 years ago. Yep. I miss opportunities every day. I could go up to my hotel room and go, I know what I should have done, and I didn't do it. Wow. So. But you have that awareness. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's powerful mm -hmm. that you have that awareness because a lot of people don't have that awareness, and I can only imagine that's got to be a big part of it. Yes. Developing that awareness over time. Um, how did it feel when you got that thing 
out and like you were able to like be like, man, this has been, I'm so passionate about this. Now I have something that when I, when I tell people my testimony and they say, wow, I want to do that. I can be like, oh, I have something to help you get going on this. I mean, how did that feel? Um, I cried like a baby when I opened that box of books. You know, it's like, um, I honestly, though, still can't believe it. Like, I know I'll get choked up, but. Writing and like school was very hard for me. Uh, six months before I came out with my book, I found out I was dyslexic and had struggled all my life. But I said, um, you don't know that you have a learning disability. You know, it's not like your back hurts. I always say it's like, what if your back hurt all the time? But nobody talked about their back hurting. And so you just learn to accept like, oh, okay, I guess this is how everybody feels yeah. because nobody talks about it. And so I had thousand things in my life that I just thought, well, maybe I'm stupid and I hated reading out loud and it's like all this stuff. And so for me to go from like not being able to read and write very, very well, like I didn't read books in high school, you know, I'd skim it, read the first and last chapter to go like, wow, like God has turned me into an author <laughs> and to be able. And for me, like, I think that's even bigger for me is to tell people like, don't let your, your disability or your ability, you know, your special ability, um, like those should never be an excuse or to hinder you, uh, for what you're trying to accomplish in life. Um, you know, it may take me much longer, a lot more effort. You may have to have people that help you, um, so every time like somebody sends me a message, like I read your book and it changed my life or a guy sent me a message the other day and he said, I, um, train volunteers to help with at risk youth at, at, at risk youth. And I always recommend that they read your book before they start volunteering. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, like my writing isn't crappy. Like somebody's still reading it yeah. or they're recommending it. So Anyways, yeah. That's amazing, man. What an amazing testimony and a lot of lessons coming out of that. And then you, so the second book was, how did that, how did that feel as far as the process goes and, and, and what drove you to write that? Yeah, it was much easier because I feel like I had figured out all the parts and pieces that before I didn't know what I didn't know. It wasn't like I had friends who I knew had written. Like right now, writing a book is very prevalent. You can go find somebody to help you. But when I started, it was not. I just felt like I was out in this world and I had to figure everything out, which now that was actually a gift that I had to figure out all those parts and pieces for myself and not have somebody do it. So Mm -hmm. the second one was much easier because I had all that done. But it's called the gratitude challenge because – That's what giving taught me. The more that you can be grateful for what you have, which goes back to the physical aspect that we were talking is, if I'm just grateful for the clothes in my closet, I don't need any more. And if I don't need any more, 
I can take that extra money or whatever and I can give it away. Or with that scarf, when I gave away that scarf, guess what? I probably have 30 scarves in my closet. Like, and so what I learned though is there was this big connection between if you're grateful, you can give more. And if you, when you give, then you become, like it just created this cycle and, um, Wow. I had started practicing like gratitude, just writing it down years before. And I saw that change my perspective of life. If I could start my day and just write down five things I was thankful for, and then being intentional through the day of looking around and going, I'm having a bad day, but the sun's shining out today. It may be hot. I'm not going to complain about the heat. It's sunny out. You know, like when you can start living life of swapping your negative thoughts for your positive thoughts and then being intentional throughout the day of gratitude, again, I saw that change my life. And I had all these little stories of how gratitude in difficult times and easy times and fun times uh, changed my life. And I thought, okay, other people can learn this, but it's, it's not as simple as just sitting down and writing it. You have to train yourself to pay attention again about paying attention that, to what's around you or looking for the good and the bad. And so I started going back through my gratitude journal and just paid attention to what was going on and started to write those stories. But in that book, I felt like something was missing. You know, like Stephanie, all your stories seem so positive. Like some days it's easy to find gratitude when you're having mm -hmm. a great day. And I started looking at people in my life who went through challenges. One of my coaching clients who had a daughter killed in a car crash. My friend who had a son diagnosed with autism. Um, a lady that I met on social media, actually through Jesse's first group who had struggled with addiction. All these people had something in common is they practice gratitude. Even in the most difficult things in their life, gratitude was very, very prevalent. Really? And so I went to each of those people, I think it's 10 or 11, and I asked them, I said, would you be willing to share your story in my book? Because I wanted somebody to pick up that book if they received the diagnosis of their child has autism. Here's somebody that's been through hell and back but this is how she used gratitude. And that's, um, I'm grateful for the diagnosis. And here's somebody's daughter that was killed in a car crash, you know, and it, and so that for me became very, very powerful. And to hear those stories come back and somebody say that specific story helped give me perspective of somebody in my life that is dealing with this or going through that. And so, um, that book's, maybe more special to me because of some of those stories. Well, I'll tell you what, I never would have, me personally, I never would have connected the fact that gratitude actually increases your ability to give to others. I never would have connected that. Well, it goes, I, that's a great way to explain that because we have talked a lot about being content. And some things yeah. you should be and some things you shouldn't be. But really, in reality, you should never be content. You should be grateful for the things that you have. And you shouldn't be content with where you're at. Like, you, you want to move forward, but be grateful for what you have. It, I liked our conversation we had, but it, I didn't ever feel like we really conveyed the right, you know, didn't explain it well. I think I kind of understood it in my head. 
But the word that was missing was grateful. Right. You don't need to be content with what you've had. You need to, that's like, oh, okay, I got it. I'm good. But on the, you need to take it a step further and be grateful and say, thank you for what I have, not mm-hmm. be content with what you have. Yeah. And when you're thankful for what you have, if you're thankful for that, why do you need more? I'll give you a good and example. And that was, that was a great way to explain it. Yeah, I, uh, I have a closet full of clothes, and I'm a cheap clothes buyer. It's not like designer clothes. I'm talking Old Navy. I bought it on clearance for $5. But, you know, you go into Target, and you see the clearance rack, and you, you buy something. And one day, my husband called me out, and he's like, you know, you really need to start practicing what you preach of, like, just be grateful for the clothes that you have. Why are you buying more? And I challenge you. And so I think I went a year without buying any clothes and then taking that money and finding different nonprofits that were collecting kids that needed them to go to school. I got involved in a project in Malawi, like started finding these niches of people that needed clothes and how can you use that money? But you talk about that mindset shift. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would walk into Target and it was like my body just veered over there and I had to stop myself and say, you don't, like, why are you even going over there? You don't need anything. Or I would go to do an event and every time I wanted to do an event, I always thought I needed a new outfit, you know, to speak. And it was like, no, you don't need a new outfit. You have 10 dresses in your closet. Just be grateful for those 10 dresses. Be content with what you have. And then guess what? There are people who literally have no clothes. <laughs> That's how we are with guns, Stephanie. I know. <laughs> Look, I'm doing this giving challenge with Brooke. I'm going I'm going to go through Stephanie's book. I'm going to do it one story at a time. And I'm going to do this with Brooke. I just made up my mind. You're going to do it for her or no, with her? With Y'all her. are going to do it together? Yes. Yeah, we're going to do it. I mean, she it's going to be right up her alley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's right in her wheelhouse. But it's going to take some intentionality for me. But this, I, I'm just thinking, this is something that me and her, we could sit down and read one one of the 40 sections of the book together and then execute the next day and have something to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing. You want to talk about building new stories? I mean, all the stories that she just shared of of how you've helped somebody else, and you know, lessons you can share with other people, and it it, it's endless. the The impact of it, you know, I I need this in my life. One hundred percent. It's so easy for me to walk around and feel just stretched thin. It's so easy, and, and this is a way to recharge, intentionally recharge yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does give you energy. I mean, that's what I said is my definition in the beginning was give and expect nothing in return. Oh, you'll get something in return. Yes. You'll, it, it, yeah. you're not expecting it, but I can't tell you how many times, like, I felt, I probably felt better, more joy when I gave something to somebody and I know what their reaction was, or I got a surprise, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And it's just paying attention. You know, you talk about like, it it improved my marriage because I started paying attention to my spouse and what their, their needs were. I looked at the giving that I was doing for friends and family members. I'll give you an example. My friend's little boy just turned five or six and I saw a picture on social media and he had this surprise look like, 
And I looked at, what is he so surprised about? Like, what is he so happy about? And I zoomed in on the picture and it was dinosaur stickers. And my friend has a little devotional called Dinosaur Devotionals. And I thought, I'm going to get him that little devotional book. Like, if he is so excited, and it's just paying attention to those small things to go, yeah, there's probably a lot of little kids' devotionals or Bibles, but what if I got him something that he is going mm-hmm. to love right now that's, you know, and then so it's paying attention to that too is in your gift giving, if you're thinking about the physical gift, not just buying something, like paying attention to the people around you. What are their needs? What are their likes? Um, and to me, that's what's like been fun also. Well, yeah, because I, mean, I find myself, for me, what I like, if someone tells me like, hey, you're doing, you're doing good, good job here. The word, you know, I don't want to get into the love language thing, but like the words of affirmation, that's what I like. So I find myself wanting to give what makes me feel good to other people, but really everybody's different. Some people like to receive some kind of material thing and, you know, so everybody's different. And so to your point of that story, to pay attention to what everyone else likes, they may not like you to just say, hey, good job. Like they might appreciate it, but it's not really going to touch them. So to pay attention to, especially people you know close, you know, what really makes this person feel appreciated and, and to do that for them other than, rather than just what, what you like, you know? Yeah, I think too, that reminds me of like, when you talk about what the expectation is on a gift, give and expect nothing in return, you cannot expect to have, you cannot put an expectation of what their reaction is going to be. So I got my husband tickets for Michigan football. It had been on his list. I was so excited to surprise him. And he literally was like, oh, thanks. Because that is his personality. I was so disappointed because I'm thinking if somebody would have done something like that for me, I would have just went bananas. And I realized like, oh, when you give a gift, you can't put the expectation of they're going to say thank you or what their reaction is. You just give and go, I don't care. Wow. Like that is not on me to put that. And that's a hard lesson to learn. Look, look <laughs> I am convinced I need this in my life. I'm convinced. Well, it's a tool that you use when you're working out and you're feeling stretched thin in the workout. What do you do? You encourage somebody else. Yeah. yeah. And when you're feeling stretched thin in your time, what can you do? You can give to someone else. Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh, I'm, no, I'm convinced. <laughs> Let's take a little break. Hey, guys, I want to take a second to tell you about a company that supports 3 of 7 Project in a big way. It is Shea Butler Knives. Shea Butler Knives. So we have uh, worked with Shea for quite a while now. Shea handcrafts some of the finest knives on earth. Uh, And, yeah, he supports 3 of 7 Project with his talents, with his products in a big way. He's, he's our personal friend, and we just want to shout him out. If you guys are looking for a literally an heirloom quality knife that's going to last you not only for your lifetime, but for generations, something that can be handed down, go and check Shay out and place an order with him um, because he's got the knife that you need. 
You guys know me. I am a knife snob. I actually appreciate a, a good handmade knife more than I do a fancy gun because uh, they're just works of art, man. And Shay's the person to go to. Handmade blades based in the Midwest. Uh, check them out at shaybutlerknives.com, S-H-A-Y-B-U-T-L-E-R-K-N-I-V-E-S.com. Check them out on Instagram at shaybutlerknives. He's got everything from fixed blade knives to multiple types of folding knives, um, hunting knives, bushcraft knives. He's got if you he's got one something for whatever you need to do. Um, so thank you, Shay, for supporting Three of Seven Project. Thank you for making such an amazing product. We really appreciate you, brother. Enough said. All right, we're back. Sorry, Blake. You weren't you weren't good enough to convince me to do this, but Stephanie is. <laughs> She's good, man. We have the books right here, by the way. If you're watching on on, uh, on YouTube, here they here they are. Um, so, all right. Where did um we left off? I, well, I want to hear. I mean, I want to hear your testimony and why you love Jesus so much. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um. I was raised in the church, so I went to the same church my mom went to, her parents went to, her grandparents went to, you know, little rural Baptist, Southern Indiana, and I I haven't known any different. I think I was nine or ten when I, you know, walked up to the front of the church and told the pastor I wanted to give my life to Christ and got baptized. I can remember riding the bus to my pastor's house his wife fixing me a snack and me sitting in his office. I mean, at like younger than junior high of just asking a million questions about the Bible. Uh, like I'm always inquisitive. And so there's, you know, my testimony is very simple. My faith has always been there. Um, but I've had times, I don't want to say I straight away cause I've never been a rebel. <laughs> like I never had those times in my life where I rebelled Praise but God. not consistent, though, in reading the Bible and praying and that being a daily discipline. And I hit a point in my life, I don't know, maybe three or four years, and I was just so run down on everything that I was doing, working full time, running this business, writing, traveling around the country, speaking, and uh, something had to give. Something had to change in my life. And... Uh, so the first thing that I decided is in the morning, instead of, you know, being four or five in the morning and me walking to my office to start on my email and start on the day is what if I just gave that first part of the day to God? And I started doing a daily devotional through the Bible in a year. Um, I got back to writing down my prayers, which was something because I'm so distracted and, you know, start praying. And two seconds later, I'm thinking about 500 other things. Yeah. And, um, I started to get in that practice and do that and, and incorporate gratitude, make sure every day I was in the Bible, writing down prayers, practicing gratitude, and my whole life shifted every day, my priority. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and now I can't not do it, you know? Um, so that's well, a little you know, bit. That's interesting to me. I've never thought about even suggesting 
um, writing your prayers. Can you talk talk on speak on that a little bit, Stephanie? Sure. So uh, when I was in college and I went to Taylor University, small Christian liberal arts college, uh, I was talking to one of my friends like. I am struggling with prayer, you know, and, and basically told him what I said to you guys is I don't even think I'm praying because I'm all over the mind. And he said, write it down. Like just write your prayers down to God. Cause that will help you focus. If you have to pay attention to writing and I started it and it immediately helped me focus of what I was doing. I was no longer distracted and and it just got me in tune. I mean, a lot of people always say, well, how do you hear the Holy Spirit? And it's like, I don't know. You know, when you just, the more you talk to God and there's some days I go back and look at those prayers and I'm like, how did I even write that? Like, I don't even know where that came from. Uh, but I'd gotten out of the habit. It wasn't something I did consistently. And, um, and now it's just like, I love having that track record to go back because I think a lot of times we focus on what God isn't doing in our lives or we have prayers and it's like, well, he didn't answer this prayer. But when you can remember and you can see the prayers that you've prayed and go back and go, oh, wow, God's doing a ton in my life or that didn't happen, but this is what came about then you start to see how really powerful and impacting in his life is. Cause we forget about all these things. Um, and that's been, that's been life changing. And is that not awesome? Blake, have you ever Caitlin, thought of doing that? Caitlin does that for real. Yeah. She writes all, I've never even heard of nothing like this. <laughs> she's got two or three journal notebooks full and they're just full of prayers. Huh? Yeah. I'll tell you a gift that I've started to give, uh, is that, you know, somebody would tell me like, hey, pray for me or whatever. Or they'd send me a text saying any prayer is, I would just write out a prayer on whatever they needed in my book. And then I'd take a picture of it and send it to them. Praise God. Wow. And I can't tell you how many people have said, I've read that prayer to get me through the day today. I've had to pull that prayer up five, you know, like mm -hmm. just, and that, that is a gift. Come that on, is man. taking, you know, a couple of minutes out of your day to physically write, snap a picture, and send it to them. And you're really good about this of praying with people in person. I've started to do, like, that's one way you guys have really challenged me is, you know, with if you're with somebody in person, that's really hard to do is to say, let me pray for you now. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. really yeah. hard. You know, even when I was in the hospital, Chad called me in the hospital, prayed for me over the phone. Like, those are gifts that we can give but it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. But they have impact that we'll never know sometimes. Yeah. That came from Paul, didn't it? Blake, that challenge came from Paul, yeah, I Paul, think. Yeah, I picked that up from him. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if y'all listen to this episode, y'all better be taking notes on this stuff, man. Because I've never even thought about this. Somebody that needs prayer, writing out a prayer for them and and sending it to that that is powerful dude yeah because then it can be recalled i mean mm -hmm. you pray with them that's that's good that's really good verbally but when you write it out and it's something tangible they've got that they can refer back to like I said, some people are multiple times yeah i also like the way stephanie explains this as she's not trying to necessarily be intellectual as she writes her prayers out she's literally writing it out as she would pray it 
um, and, and not thinking about, oh, this needs to sound this way or like somebody else is going to be reading this as a book or what like. It's like a brain dump. It's like. I really yeah. like that, man. Yeah. I really do. Just dump it all out on the page and you're not writing it for a scholarly ar- article. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, well, you know, I want to, I want to hear just about, I mean, maybe some of the, uh, I'm interested in your marriage, your relationship with your husband, because I follow you guys on Instagram and I see you guys doing cool stuff. I know your husband has a very high stress job. Um, you know, you know, I'm interested in that part of your life too, and and how you how you manage that, the challenges that you guys have faced, uh, because it's not easy, right? And um, just anything that you can share with us, or you felt led to share with us about that aspect of your life, because there's, I feel like there's something there just from follow. I haven't met your husband, <laughs> but just from following right. you guys and hearing you talk about him. And you seem to have a deep respect for him, and I'm sure the same goes the same way. So, if that question, it's a broad question. It's I'm just broad. interested. There's so much in there. Yeah. So, my husband and I met in 2000 in the police academy, Indiana State Police Academy. Uh, he finished, and I did not. And uh, about three years later, though, I was working as a civilian, and he saw my name on a memo, and I still had a maiden name, and he called me, and the rest was history. We dated for <laughs> two months. Got married i think within six and wow 18 years we just celebrated 18 years uh and it's been really hard you know i mean uh being in law enforcement i had no idea what to expect as a police wife and and you really learn quickly you're number two it doesn't matter i mean it's say you know i was listening to brooke talk about when you go on deployments and and i never even i hate when people compare like being a police wife to military wife because i said at least my husband came home you'd go on deployments for months at a time whatever um but a a police officer deploys every day yeah every day they're always my husband is on 24 hours a day you know he has a job right now that he's doing he is always on call he was a canine handler for 10 uh, years 24 7 you know he would get home from a full shift phone would ring indiana state police and out the door he'd go and it might be four hours eight hours till he returned you know um and so it's very difficult and i was very selfish in the beginning because i didn't understand it so there was this constant battle of like you know when he had a day off he just wanted to have a day off not that he didn't want to spend it with me. He just didn't want to do anything, you know, so wore down and the shift work. And I don't know, it was, it was bad for a while. And, um, within six months, his best friend and partner was shot and killed in the line of duty. And my husband had just transferred. And so that really hit our marriage hard. And my husband decided to take a transfer and I wanted to stay where we were at. I liked our life and our church and our gym and everything And uh, so basically one day he was like, I'm moving. You can come with or you can stay where you're at. And I thought, wow, okay. Like we're not even two years into this marriage and I'm thinking about divorce. And I can remember sitting down with my parents who've been married 45 years and my mom saying, I would understand. I would understand. He's asking you to give up everything. I had to give up my job, everything. Community, friends, all that. Yeah, Everything to go to somewhere where I knew no one. 
I had no job. I knew no one. And one day I was sitting there and it was kind of like you talk about taking quitting off the table. It's like, you're not a quitter. Like, why are you like for better or worse? And God basically said, everything will be okay. And he transferred. I stayed eventually ended up moving up there after I got a job and some things worked out and it was hard for like seven years. I was so depressed. I didn't know anybody. I mean, it was just a bunch of mess. And I feel like every day I was like, I'm out. I'll get a divorce. This is not worth it. But I just always felt like God said, fight for your marriage, fight for your marriage, get up every day. And also like your happiness is not in him. You're looking for him to make you happy. Like you take responsibility for your life and the decisions that you're making and quit putting that load on him. And uh, I went back and became a police officer, which I thought would make me happy. You know, I had this failure under that stayed with me for like eight years. And um, yeah, and then it was like I start. I feel like my giving journey is what turned our marriage around because Every day, if my husband, when he went to go on duty and would say, Stephanie, could you run upstairs and get my glasses or my key? Whatever he forgot. Every day it seemed like he was forgetting something. I would usually say, no, go do it yourself. That's me. You know, like that was my attitude. Like, go do it yourself. You got two legs, climb up the stairs. And on my giving journey, I just said, what would happen if I just said yes? Every time (laughs) he asked me to do something that was so simple, what if I just said yes? And I started doing that. And then I just started paying attention to think, you know, like one day he bought these 911 socks that he just loved. And I went out and bought him five pairs. So he'd have one every day for work. And I, it just shifted our marriage. And not that there aren't hard times, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, we've been in a good zone for a while. <laughs> now and I think you just learn how to deal with each other like not take everything I don't know so seriously and also for me once I became a police officer is like I got it you know like clicked with me of how stressful it is when you're out there hour after hour after hour it's not a job where you just go and you sit in a car it's no, somebody may crash in front of me. No, there might be a suicide call. There might be shots. Like you have to be on. And so I realized when he came home, why he didn't want to engage, why he needed to decompress. And that gave me a perspective that I didn't have. And then also we've had three friends killed in the line of duty. And I got this really like, oh, like he, he may go to work and never come home. So it's never about, I, he never leaves the house with us being mad. You know, it's, it, it doesn't matter what's wow. going on. It's not important. It's hugs and kisses and, you know, I don't know. You just learn to be grateful, but you kind of have to force yourself to do it and do yeah. it every day consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this episode is full of some stuff that I'm yeah, going to son. Wow. Um. All right, so, uh, well, I have more questions, obviously. Uh, First of all, now in your life, like, what is your primary mission now? What uh, and and moving forward, what do you what are you visualizing? What do you see yourself doing to stay fulfilled, to stay in the mix, to to contribute? 
to the world that you're so passionate about contributing to? Yeah, the biggest project that I have is a children's book series. Um, and launching that in October because I really, again, it goes back to like, I can't even believe I'm doing that. You know, it's just like God gave me the idea and he lined up the right people and the stories I've written three of the books and ones, you know, it'll be out, but because I feel like it's important to teach our kids about giving and kindness and compassion but also like the power of encouragement and, and perseverance. And um, so that's one of the big things that I am focused on right now is building resources for parents and for teachers in the classroom and activities and how can, um, even though I don't have children of my own, how can I ensure that people out there are raising, giving guys and gals? Is the process to write a kid's book more or less difficult than writing a say you know like what you've got there so for me it was less difficult but think about a children's book is about five to six hundred words mm -hmm. so you and there's a certain every children's book is a flow and an arc and saying a lot with little words mm -hmm. but having the lessons and the layers but I, I can't take credit for, like, I was reading the book last night, and I cannot take credit for it. It was like God downloaded these stories, and I put them out on paper and sent them to my book coach, and it was like a couple of tweaks. Um, I think for a lot of people, it's really difficult to write a children's book um, because of so many layers in the short yeah. amount of time. Um, also, the illustration for me working with the illustrator is I knew exactly what I wanted that book to look like. Mm -hmm. um, as a dyslexic, you can see things in your mind. You can see the big picture and the strategy. But for me to write that out and convey it to you, and I bet I said on three months for my illustrator asking me, Stephanie, I need a little paragraph about each scene of what you're thinking. And I'd, I would pull up that document and look at the book and just stare. And like, I can see it. I don't know how to tell you. Mm -hmm. And she does not speak English. She's in a foreign country. And so I had, but she could translate if I typed it. So it wasn't even like we could get on a call oh, wow. and I could tell her is I had to type it out. Um, but then when she, I mean, I met her on Instagram. It was like a total God thing. And when she came back with it, I was like, oh my gosh. You, <laughs> I've, I've thought Chad should write some kids books. I told Chad that, didn't I? Yeah. One of the days on the call, yeah. I said we should do a children's book. A lot yeah. of the lessons are so simple and basic, and if you could convey them in a condensed I, message to I kids. am essentially a 33-year-old kid. I am just like a kid. Yeah. Am I not? Yeah. <laughs> Your your uh, speech is a little too complex, probably for kids. So if you could, <laughs> we'd have to. If you could simplify that down, then just simplify the words. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But the thoughts are yeah. are perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man, uh, well, you got a lot of work to do off this <laughs> off this episode, don't you, kids? I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, man. I am really looking forward to doing this giving challenge. I think this is gonna change my marriage. I think this is gonna change a lot of my. Um, really my my perspective perspective and and even my mood yeah i really think I, i've been searching 
And and I think that I need. I really do. I know. I keep freaking saying that, man. I, I know. I'm sorry, guys. I'm being serious. All right. Uh, it it really just clicked with me. And so, you know, I gotta ask you, Stephanie, too. Why did you decide to help me? And I'll tell you guys what Stephanie has done for me. Stephanie is helping me write my first book. Um. She's doing a lot of work. You're going to see Stephanie's name on the cover of my book when it comes out because we're working on this together. Because, uh, first of all, I simply I simply felt that I did not have the capacity to do it all on my own. The way Stephanie had to figure it out, like I, I just felt like I, I don't right now I don't have the capacity for that. And uh, I reached out to her. I said. Stephanie, I know you're into, you've figured this process out. Can you help me? She said, yes, it's going to cost this much. And um, I came back and I said, well, I don't, I don't know that we can afford that up front. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to help you anyways. And we're just going to defer my payment until after the book's done. And you can pay me then. And I'm like, huh, wow, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Uh, um, you know, why did you decide to 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 help me with this? Uh, this is a selfish question, I guess. Sure. Uh, I think a couple of things. Um, one, I would have never thought about helping somebody write their book to the capacity that we're we're doing it. I mean, it is outside of my comfort zone. You guys had done an episode, I think, on like comfort and strength or something yeah, like yeah. that. And um, so I think that's one thing is we always have to be pushing and challenging ourselves. And it goes back to like if I'm on a stage and talking about goals or whatever, yet I'm not doing anything like, OK, now I'm just writing books and, and that's still hard. But this moves me into something that's really stretching, very uncomfortable for me. So I think that, and this isn't in any order, I think that's one of it, is two, I think everybody should have a, a board of directors or a team, and I went to that team, and everybody but one person said, this is an opportunity, God's opened a door, you should take it. Um, and my husband was the one who kind of had like the deciding, and he just said, ask yourself this, if you say no, will you regret it later? And that's a great way to look at things, even if you're like, I don't have time or I can't, you know, like you can come up with any excuse to get you out of doing anything that's hard. Yeah. But for me, when he said that, I thought, oh yeah, this will be something that I would question my whole life is, man, what if, what if I would have helped Chad? What would, what would have happened? Or, you know, like yeah. that. And then uh, I think just how we're working together is I believe in your mission. So I'm never going to align myself or do anything. Um, I'm not to your level, but we think a lot alike. A lot of your principles and your tactics and techniques and procedures is how I have lived my life. Maybe not to the level that you do. And so for me, it was it's easy to understand what you're putting out there and why it is so needed in our society today. Yeah. And then I think finally on the money thing is, um, I asked myself a question is, would I do this for somebody else? You know, am I just doing this for Chad or would I do it for somebody else? And I was like, 
no, I've, I look at my career and my business and it's not something that I would just do for chat, you know, like, um, so those are a couple of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity and, you know, we sat in here for a long time yesterday and got a lot of work done. And Blake walked in here and he said, it was probably about 3.30. And he said, well, Stephanie, you're obviously the right person because there ain't nobody else that Chad is going to sit in this office with and do this with. Uh -huh. There ain't nobody else. And, and see, I didn't even know. I mean, this is the first time we've got to spend time together. And so, you know, we're both coming into this blind like, well, we're going to give it a shot, man. We're, we're going to see how we work together. And, man, we got a lot of work done yesterday. We got a lot of work done. And I think that's a good point is, like, another reason why is you were okay that I had never done this to this capacity. So mm -hmm. I've helped people through the book process and coached them, but they've always been doing their own writing and everything. What we're doing is so different. And I think sometimes if if that other person is willing to show you grace and take risk and you know that up front, you set that expectation up front as, hey, this might not be perfect. It might be rocky. We're going to learn together. But you both know that and you set that expectation. And I think that was the other thing because I had a lot of fear about doubt and self-confident. And I just know how you are and your mind works and everything. And you gave me that ease to say, yeah, like we're both going in this and we're, we'll are we figure it out together. Yeah. Um, and that helped me to say, I think, yes, too. But yeah. we are very productive yesterday. Really? <laughs> I mean, really we were. And it's, it's just a great... Um, it's a great uh, – yesterday was a great, for me, a picture of even entrepreneurship as me and Stephanie were sitting in here doing this work. And, you know, you come to the realization time after time after time as an entrepreneur um, that the only way anything's going to get done is by you sitting down with your team and getting it done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yesterday was an example of that. Yeah. It's like, man, like I, I am, I think when we finish this project, I'm going to be just like you were when you opened your first box of books. I, I it's just going to, it, what, I mean, what a, what an, what a le uh, awesome piece of your legacy, and, and a project, and, and I'm so excited about this. But it, like everything else, you come to the realization, if you want to do this, ain't nobody going to force you to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't work for anybody other than Jesus. I work for him. I serve him. But any man, I don't, I, I think, I mean, I'm just in that position now. And, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why. Maybe one of you guys need to hear that out there, that thinking about getting into the entrepreneurship space, just understand that if you get into that space, go ahead and flip the, the mindset switch and say, it's on me and my team to mm -hmm. get this done. And nobody's going to force you to do it. And nobody's going to tell you that you have to do it. And 
likely there's not going to be somebody there to hold you hold your hand and train you and show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. You just got to dive into it, man, and figure it out. Um, yeah, and hopefully you get the right people on the bus, the right people yeah. on the team, right? That is the key. I'm finding that yeah. is the key, mm-hmm. right? So what you got, Blake? No, I don't have much right now. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got to we we actually have to get back to work on yeah. the book. Um, here in just a little bit. Uh, that and yeah, uh, Stephanie, is there anything else? I mean, I took a lot away from this conversation. Yeah. Genuinely, I really did. Is there anything else that's on your heart that you want to share? Of course, I'm going to attach the links to Stephanie's books. Uh, in the show notes of this episode, I'll attach her Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode. We'll go ahead and say it out loud real quick. Yeah, it's giving underscore gal. Giving underscore gal. Okay, I'll attach that so you guys can connect with Stephanie. But anything else that's on your heart that, that you wanted to share, please put it out. I think the only thing, uh, you mentioned it earlier and we never came back to it, was the TEDx talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the reason why I want to come back to that is I get a lot of questions about how did you get in a TEDx talk? I applied. I set up one night, hours and hours, going to the TEDx website and literally clicking on I don't know how many links. Some of them accept applications. Some of them don't. There's a lot of rules. Um, and so like, you have to put in the work going back to, you have Mm -hmm. to put in the work. Like nobody came to me and said, Hey, do you want to come on our TEDx stage? Like that happens to some people, but I was a no name. And so like, that's one of the things, but the preparation for that, like, no, if you put yourself in that situation, that was the scariest stage I ever walked on. Cause I always use notes. I always have slides. Yeah. I had nothing. And I swear I thought in my head, I was going to blank out in front of 250 people and the hours that I had put in into doing that. But it also stretched me, you know, you can, it's easy to get comfortable as you own a business and go, oh yeah, for me, it's very comfortable for me to give up, get up on a stage, do a keynote. But if you do something like a TEDx I don't care how good of a speaker you are when you have to record with them, they critique you. They know exactly what your talk's going to be. You have to put it in this timeline because you're fit in with all the other speakers. You know, this is an event. Um, There were just so many lessons, but the hardest part was walking through that door out on that stage. I mean, I can remember the night before telling my husband, I don't think I can do this. I don't like fear so many times you get to the very end of what you're trying to accomplish and what your goal is and you let fear and self-doubt, even though I'd done the work, I still was like, I don't think I can walk out on that stage. What if, and then you start what ifing yourself Mm -hmm. to death instead of thinking about what if I walk out there and do a really good job? What if I walk out there and I impact one person and somebody hears that message? And so again, it's that mindset shift of changing those what ifs and hurtling yourself over those fears, but knowing you've done the work and the preparation to be on that stage or wherever you're at in life, I think is important. And Dang I learned right it is. so many lessons yeah. from doing that. So yeah, yeah that, that, uh, I'm always impressed when I go and watch those 
TEDx videos and those TED Talks because it is. The, the, the speakers have to present in a different way. And I've thought about it in my own mind because I get to do quite a bit of speaking, but my style is, is very free like like i i just i'm just almost like hey what's up guys i'm gonna tell y'all some stories and then we'll take some questions you know but to go out on that stage and and have all those parameters it's really a different level it's on a whole nother level and what i love about it what i love about those talks is the person that's up there speaking genuinely has to know what they're talking about like it has yeah. to be like you, you can't just go up there and wing it. I mean, yeah. oh no, and you can't. The process does not allow you to wing it. Mm-hmm. They the team works with you, and you have to record and send it to them, and they give you feedback and and everything like that. And I had something crazy happen the night before. So one of my gifts that I gave on that 522 days was every time a a law enforcement officer was killed in the line of duty, I would write a letter to their family. Just you know sorry for your loss. I'm thinking about you in Indiana, been through it. And, um, I had that built in my talk as one of the examples of this was a gift that I gave. And the night before, when we're doing our run through and practices, the guy ahead of me basically does not like police and he has it in his talk. Really? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I got to go behind this guy on the other side, you know, and talk about I'm a police wife and we've had people literally shot and killed, protect, you know what I mean? And so that got in my head a little bit, but I went up there and he changed his talk because he had never looked at it from our perspective or from the life that we were living No and how, and came up to me and wanted to have a conversation and had a conversation with my husband. And so you always have to be prepared for the unexpected too in that situation of, um, but knowing that your message, stand on your message and what you believe in. It would have been really easy for me to take that 10 second, 15 second out because of what he was doing. And like, no, this is part of my message and my story Mm -hmm. and what I do and what I'm standing on. Yet it influenced, I didn't let, his negativity influenced me. What I said influenced him. And I think that was an important lesson that Dang right it is. I learned in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing a, you do a podcast, Stephanie? Yep. Giving your best life. Okay. Awesome. Is that on Apple and yeah, everywhere? Everywhere? Okay. everywhere you can find podcasts. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> How do you like podcasting? <laughs> I'm nothing like this. I felt like one day the Lord, I feel like God gives me ideas and I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'll start doing that. <laughs> um, and so I don't really like it. Sometimes we have to do things in our businesses that we don't like, but you have to be obedient to what God's calling you to do. And every day when I'm like, I'm not doing a podcast this week, I'll get an email or text from somebody that that one podcast impacted them. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. like, okay. Like <laughs> now I'll, we're doing a podcast. Uh, now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm but, gonna tell you yeah. what, man. <laughs> Podcasting is a labor of love. It really is. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and to me, not to go down the whole rabbit hole of podcasting, but to me, 
it's something that takes years to grow into a place where you're actually enjoying it. I mm-hmm. mean, we've been doing this show, Blake, for uh, two years. Yeah. Wow. Maybe a little over two years yeah. now. We And, dude, I was talking to Brooke last <laughs> night, and we were talking about the podcast because all you guys that listen are awesome. We, we have no kidding. Like, we don't get even a quarter of the downloads that somebody like Joe Rogan gets, right? But the people that listen to our podcast are, are like the best people mm-hmm. yeah. on earth. It's unbelievable how many people take the time to share these episodes and to comment and to en- just engage. And, you know, we've got the best audience. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and But it took so long. And so... Now, I'm just getting or just have really gotten to a point where I say, man, I really like this, but it's because of the audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Is really what's driving it. The audience is driving this show. Yeah. And I can remember back, uh, it was last winter and it was deer season. <laughs> and Brooke was like, back then, I, I was like you, Stephanie. I was like, I, I don't really like podcasting that much it's a big time commitment it costs money and and, and there's really not a lot of return on it right and uh brooke just stayed on me man and see i just wanted to hunt she was like you haven't released a podcast in three weeks Wow. like what are you what are you doing and i'm like well it's my show i can release the podcast (laughs) i don't have to release a podcast for three months if i don't want to it's my show right but she stayed on me, and because of that, we continued on. Mm-hmm. And now it is, now it's become probably one of, if if not my f- favorite thing, that we do virtually, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but again, the audience just drives it so hard, man. I mean, you guys that listen are freaking awesome. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Stephanie, for thank you for pouring so much into the audience um you guys reach out to stephanie again links to her books and to her uh, ig will be in the show notes of this episode i'll probably put a link to her ted talks in there too if she wants me to um and yeah man so awesome yes i appreciate you coming on stephanie and um you know you being the giver (laughs) that you are you brought this and uh while chili's not here Let's document what you've gotten oh, yeah. for him. I brought chili oatmeal, cream pie. <laughs> I'm lucky that I didn't eat these on the way down. Like, so good. I wanted to get you donuts. Something. Blake will get a gift at some time when it's right. You know, they didn't have the donut sticks, but I was like, oh, oh, chili. I drove chili nuts, I think, at the mid-state mile. He got so irritated at me at once, I think. And so I was like, I got to. He's going to be that. like a racehorse chomping at the bit. <laughs> oh, man. Here and get them. That jugger will peddle some oatmeal cream pies. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you for, for coming on, and we get to spend a, another two days with you, so lucky us. Yeah, exciting. Lucky me. All right, guys, this is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said.